Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Simone Rochefort, and I am joined today by the brilliant Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat, and the comparable <laughs> Christina Warren, <laughs> senior comparable. tech correspondent at Mashable. I had a better C word, and I just totally blanked on it. I mean, oh, that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. This is, this, this this is, is the so best perfect. rocket start ever. So, Christina, I know you're a little stressed this week. I know you're a little stressed. I have I have something. I have a technique right now that's going to calm you down, okay? Okay. How are your deadlines going? Come on, get it done. <laughs> you have deadlines. Get to it. Hop to it. Come on, Christina. I was like, is this what's going to calm us down? Bree, shutting up? Like, Wait, yeah, no. that is yeah. silence. Is nice. that, that, <laughs> no, oh my God, <laughs> my silence is terrifying. But, but God, but, but, but between the, yeah. the 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 other c word, that's going to become somebody. Quick, please tell me yes. that we have a sponsor this week for a domain. Yes, hover. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Someone has to buy that. I am so ready for it. Oh. <laughs> so, do we want to jump right in? Since yeah, some of us. <laughs> We have a lot what? of things to do. What? We have nothing to do. What are you talking nothing about? Nothing to do. It's a good day. A, br- a brilliant, lazy day. The rain is shining. The clouds are out. Here, I feel like before we start today, we should talk very briefly about what is coming next week. The 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 audible enjoyment for Rocket listeners. Oh, yes. Can we can we talk about that very quickly? Absolutely. So I, I promised you guys last week that this week would be the week that I read being romanced by Idris Elba playing James Bond. <laughs> And unfortunately, because of the aforementioned deadlines, I was not able to do the reading the true justice that it deserves, absolutely deserves. So next week, English accent or no, I will absolutely be blessing your ears with the smooth stylings of Idris Elba playing James Bond and romancing you, you, (laughs) you the listener. You will be romanced by me playing Idris Elba playing James Bond. So I just want to know, Simone, like, do you agree with me on this? That I feel that War and Peace is just done. It's it had a good run for a long time. I feel like this is the new classic. I don't understand why it's still being taught in schools when new new works of literature like this exist. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm with you guys. Delving delving back into the author's earlier works, such as... um, the the iWatch piece, which we oh my God. adore. I, I, I do think that there is definitely a canon here that deserves to be examined in academia. <laughs> I hope somebody makes a movie soon. I mean, I, I look, I, I do yeah. too. I mean, to do, I mean, really do because I mean, look, Fifty Shades of Grey, as we know, was a cinematic achievement, right? And so, if it can even achieve just just an, a few ounces of what that did, I think that the subject matter is so strong that that it would be an instant classic. I agree. I agree, I agree yeah. with you, Christina. For yeah. what? For once in our lives, we all agree on something. <laughs> we all agree what? <laughs> so why don't we leap to it? Why don't we get to it this week? Like, oh my God, this has been the biggest week in tech. It's been super exciting. So oh iOS 9 God. came out yesterday. And Christina, you reviewed it. And basically what you said was it works the same as iOS 8, but it works better. And um, do you want to talk a bit about the changes that came with this? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of new stuff in iOS 9, but a lot of the stuff is really just kind of refinements to things that have already been there. So there aren't a ton of whiz-bang features. You know, I, I said in my review, they didn't go about, you know, reinventing the wheel. They went about making the wheel work better. And I think that's an important thing. Um, kind of, you know, before iOS 9 was released, a lot of us 
including a lot of developers had kind of said, hey, Apple, we need a break from some of this stuff. We really need you to focus on maybe polishing up the stability of the operating system, fixing some of these bugs, fixing some of these APIs. And Apple listened, but that doesn't mean they didn't still um, introduce new features. So uh, obviously there's now a new way of, of, of uh, multitasking, especially on the iPad. The iPad now, if you're using an iPad um Air or or iPad Mini, I guess. Uh, iPad two Air two or, and up, I think it is. Well, iPad Air two and up is for the uh, split view. Oh, but if okay. you just want to do use the the slide over, this is a really interesting way to kind of do or pop over uh, pop out video. You can use it with a an iPad um, Air, iPad Mini, iPad Mini two, uh, and and up. Um, and what it basically lets you do is while you're in a web browser or a notes app or another application, you can kind of slide over a preview of another app. So you can use Twitter, for instance, and see your mentions, or you can have your inbox open and kind of go start scrolling through that. Um, it, it also means that if you're watching a video either from Safari or from the Videos app or from Hulu and, and more app support is coming, you can watch your video while you're inside another app, which means I can play Cookie Jam on the iPad while watching a music video. Which is awesome. Or TV. I, so I can watch Hulu. I can watch the Mindy wait, Project. Wait, I can and watch the, the Trump time. debate last night yes. and tweet making fun of Trump yes. at the same time. Now yes. that I, oh my God. You could have yes. done it, Bree. You could have done it. And, and so that's it really cool. Tweeting so in the that's deep. A, so that's a big feature. Um, Siri is, is now really baked into the OS. And that means, mm-hmm. you know, basically that. Uh, She's a lot better, and that's important because she's all over the place. And Siri's so, making – you talked about the – when you swipe right from your home screen, it pulls yes. up this whole su- list of suggestions of things nearby and also news sources as well. And that's powered by Siri? Is that true? Yes, that's powered by Siri. And so basically it's kind of like Google Now. It'll give you suggestions of nearby places. It'll give you suggestions of things to do based on the time of day and based on what your habits are. Um, there's also kind of a contextual feature built in when you plug in something, like if you plug in headphones to your iPhone or your iPad, based on what time of day it is and based on your usage patterns, it'll suggest an app for you. And that doesn't just necessarily mean the music app or the podcast app. Mm-hmm. Like Overcast frequently comes up for me because that's what I often listen to mm-hmm. um, when I plug headphones in. And and so, you know, it'll kind of let you, it kind of starts to get a sense of what you're doing on what time of day those things are happening. Now, if that sounds a lot that like is Google really now. Cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It is a lot like Google now. But I, I personally prefer Apple's approach because I generally prefer their approach to Google's. Um, but they, they it, it's a valid point to say that, that they're similar. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also, um, I oh. guess... So, a lot of the scheduling things that Google now does are also now on iOS, right? Like yes. looking through your emails and finding out when you have a flight and telling you when you have to go to the airport uh, and finding appointments that you have and telling you when you should leave for those or when those are coming up. Yes, it'll do that sort of thing, especially if it's on your calendar. Now, if it's not on your calendar, if it's not kind of already in your system, it's not going to go deep into your search results or, or those things like Google does, mm-hmm. which I kind of prefer because – if it's on my calendar and I have an appointment and you know that I'm going to be walking there or whatever and I need to leave in 10 minutes, I would love for my phone to tell me, hey, you need to leave now. Yeah. That's a really useful feature. <laughs> but I don't necessarily want my phone going through all my emails and looking at anything you know that has a date and time and saying, oh, hey, we see that you have this thing coming up. I don't necessarily want that. Unfortunately, I do need that. But that is my own problem. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if you do, I mean, then, then you can still use Google now yeah. for, for iOS, and, and it, but it's not quite as good. Mm-hmm. Um, Siri also now has a lot of contextual um, abilities to answer things. So she um, has a much better um, 
language um, support. So you can say things like, hey, you know, um, what time did the Mets play today or what time did the mm-hmm. Braves play? It'll tell you that. And then you say, hey, what was the score of the last game? It'll immediately give you the score of the last Braves game. Um, and, and it'll also let you do things like, hey, show me all my photos from June. Show me all my photos in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bring up my email messages with Allie. Bring up my conversation with Simone and, and Bree. And that'll all happen. For the photos thing, do you have to have location um, enabled for the the photos app for that? Yeah, I mean that, that yeah. that's what it's doing is, yeah. is that it's looking at where those photos were taken. But you but it also can look at timestamps and stuff. So so it, it it's pretty smart about how that works. And um, I think that uh, there's also a, a new low power mode, which is really exciting for those of us who know the pain of having the iPhone die. Um, mm-hmm. And basically what that does is if you're down to under 20%, it'll kind of come up and say, hey, do you want to enable low power mode? And it'll stop mail fetching. It'll stop some of the background processes. It won't, obviously the phone's not going to run as fast or do as many things, but it's going to go ahead and give you about an extra hour of battery life. Mm. So that's really great if you're in a place where you're like, I don't actually have time to charge and I'm not going, <laughs> you know, I could, I could, I could die before, not die, but like my phone's going to die before I get to where I need to get. That's going to ruin horror movies as we know it. Uh, completely. Um, the notes app, the notes app got a big overhaul. It's basically re, I mean, it's basically at this point, I, I kind of called it a cross between kind of the more basic version of OneNote that Microsoft does and, and, and Evernote. It's mm-hmm. not quite as fully featured as, as Evernote, but I don't think it needs to be. You can now add in drawings mm-hmm. and photos, um, do kind of rich text type type of stuff. Um, also add in lists and to do lists. Oh, yeah. My favorite thing about that so far was that it shows really clearly where your notes are backed up. That's one of the things I wrote down as one of my top 10 or, well, top three, because I have a list of three favorite things about the update so far is that I can just see where those things are. Like, oh, these are the notes that I have in Gmail. These are the notes that are in my iCloud. These are notes elsewhere. So that was super helpful to me. I, I really like the the battery feature where you can go to the sub menu for battery and it, it doesn't just tell you like, you know, iOS 8 would break it down by percentage. And by the way, it's always Twitter's app oh, that yeah. is like drained all my battery power, but will tell you how much is going on in the background, like draining your stuff too. And what I found and I'd love to know your, if you've experienced this too, Christina, is like um, you know, I go and see a lot of movies and I use movie phone yeah. or Fandango, right? And but what it will do is that will constantly be on in my background and will just slowly sap away my battery. And like, I've had to go through all my badges and like, you know, I just turn it off. I say never ever do this unless the app is open. And that's helped the battery power on the six. But I really like that they're, they're breaking it down more here. So I can, you know, really be conscious of what is, you know, basically using all my battery and saying like, am I getting out mm. any value out of this? No, mm. I totally agree with you. I think it's really, really useful. Um, I also, um, um, you know, like that there are now some widgets you can get that will show you, you know, your battery percentage for both your watch and your phone and, and any other types of devices that are paired. So that's a really nice sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but you're right. You know, I, I like having kind of, you know, that that more intricate view of the battery stuff is is really useful. Um, the Apple Wallet, I, did, I don't even think I touched on this in my review because it was there was just a lot of stuff. You can now have loyalty cards um, mm-hmm. stored alongside you know, your Apple wallet. So basically Passbook was renamed wallet is basically what mm-hmm. that means. Yeah. Um, and, and the, I, you know, that, that's going to become kind of the future of some of this, uh, you know, I mean, it, that was kind of a natural direction, but, but if you use Apple pay and I do, I, I've, incre- I've found myself using it, you know, more and more, um, when I can, cause I, I, I do like the convenience of having all that stuff. Um, it's, um, it's nice to, 
uh, kind of have yeah have on hand that all the time. in one place. Mm-hmm. Things I am not in love with. Uh, when you double tap on the home button to open up all your apps so you can close them. They switched they go in the wrong the direction. direction. Why did they do it, yeah. Christina? I don't know. I, I, honestly, at this point, I can't too. tell if it's one of those changes where I'm just being stubborn and I'll get used to it or if it's actually going to – I mean, I'm sure I'll get used to it, but I'm not sure if it was one of those decisions that has a, a beautiful underlying logic to it. But right now, oh. it's just like I can't tell. Like it, it opens up and then it pushes the one that you have open over to the side. So it's yeah. not the one that's immediately under your thumb to close. And right. it's it's incredibly obnoxious at the moment. Um Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm not sure why they changed the direction. I like the animation style mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. I yeah. like how it looks, but but I don't yeah, I, I don't get that either. And has um, that, it's been the uh, going left to right as far as I've had an yes, iPad. So is that it has. Okay. So it's always been I, that I, way. I, I, I don't know why they changed it. I have a feeling I'll get used yeah, to it, but I mean, right now I it think, is annoying. I don't know. I think it's certainly more aesthetically pleasing. I don't know if it gives you more information or makes it feel more usable. It, it feels like, you know, I have an iPhone 6 Plus, and it's like, it feels like you have to concentrate on such a small amount of the screen to really get the information about what app you're closing. So I'm not sold on it yet, but you know how this stuff goes with Apple. Like, you know, I remember being appalled by the flat design and iOS 7, you know, and now I also know if I love love it, it, but I'm used to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. But but you're used to it. So yeah, I would say one thing that that's been getting kind of mixed reviews. I really like it. I think you guys really like it. Oh my I love God, the new I system love it. font, San Francisco. It's so great. It's so great. Everything on my phone looks beautiful. It's more readable. It is to me. That's the. It feels like it cleared up so yeah. much space on the keyboard. Like it the does. Keyboard just feels more spacious. And can we talk about how the keyboard finally has a freaking shift button? Yes. <laughs> God bless. So, okay, another – sorry, you, I totally interrupted you with my own feelings for San no, Francisco, Brianna. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> talk about – talk about talk No, about I'm just saying I think it's a it's a beautiful font. I think it feels less generic. I think it's more readable. Um, you know, I have had mm-hmm. a really big um, Twitter problem where, you know, when, when last year started and there were some people um, impersonating me, they made a Twitter account called SpaceCatGA. I. It was an uppercase I, and it looks almost mm-hmm. like the L, and you can't tell it apart. I love that Twitter also uses this new font, so you know that problem is obviated. And it's just like it really feels Yay. like. Do you know what it feels like? It feels like when you get your house professionally painted, and it, like nothing is really super different because of it but it just feels so nice and fresh and clean and that's how like i really mm-hmm. do feel joy every single time i feel i see the system font i mean do you all feel the same way yeah yeah, yeah. definitely everything is beautiful to look at so another thing i kind of wanted to talk about is they what one thing they added was a return to previous app uh, not really a button, but uh, like when you're in Facebook and you open messages yes. up at the top, it'll say return to Facebook. Love I love I like it in in theory. I don't really cool. like the way it looks right now. It looks it's so squishy. But I love it. It's yeah. one of those features where, you know, we've need, I, we don't need a full back button, but I do mm-hmm. like the ability that if I get opened into another app, I can immediately go back to where I was Definitely. without having to double tap and find the app. It, yeah. it makes it so much more useful. It's and, very responsive, um, but it does not very look Very nice. responsive. <laughs> it doesn't look terrible, but it's just not, not 
pretty. Yeah, it's kind of I I I think it's ugly. Actually, it kind of makes me cringe every time I see it. I don't. No, know it's kind of feel. ugly, but I love the feature. I mean, the, so, so so it's one of those it's one of those functional features. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you're, you're right. It's kind a of a step ugly, in the right direction as far as that goes. So, do we want to talk about the the news app a little bit? I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Um, it is so clean, and you know what's what's cool for me is like. Um, it's so frustrating going through web apps, like even, you know, Verge does it right. I think Mashable does it right. And, you know, it's, it's all, but even like going to the sites and wading through the content, it's just not super clean. And, you know, I realize there's a wider conversation we're going to get into of iOS nine kind of going after Google's ad revenue. But, um, you know, for me, um, it feels very, very clean, very, very functional. I like that I can read things super quickly. Um, it's, Certainly, just in the day I've been using it, made me aware of a lot of stories I think I would have missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot too. You know, I mean, it, it's going to be one of those interesting things I think to see how much people really kind of embrace it because in, on on the face of it, it's not that different than than Flipboard. You know, and, and and Pulse and some of those. There was for a period of time, especially on the um, iPad, there was like this huge amount of of companies trying to kind of create these news readers. And Apple has already signed a bunch of publishing deals. Disclosure Mashable is one of them. Although I don't love what we've kind of done with. Uh, uh, we haven't finished our implementation so far. That that, that that's what I'll say. Um, but I um. I like the interface. I like the the suggestions that it's doing, which is very similar to what Apple Music does. I love the layout stuff. I think that the companies that are using the Apple News format, and if you look at some of the stuff that Condé Nast has done with some of their properties, if you look how the New York Times is doing some stuff, if you look at even some of the stuff that the Vox and, and BuzzFeed are doing, it's it's a really good um, system. And I, uh, I enjoy that. Um, and so I think that that's... Um, it's a really interesting way to kind of display content and, and it loads really fast, which is really important. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, shall we segue in? And before we do that, uh, I just want to let everyone know that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you are a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experience in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add similar experiences to your own apps. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration. It's with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service and fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com rocket. And thank you so much, Braintree, for sponsoring this episode of Rocket and Relay FM. You are so good at your job, Simone. Like, it's ridiculous. Yes, you are. You're ridiculous. so good. Um, I do have just a bit more I wanted to talk about with iOS 9, which, um, you sure. know, I think. Go for it. 
I have been very frustrated with iOS 8, um, especially on my iPhone 6 Plus. Um, there are visual bugs constantly. It will like try to resize up to like what looks like an iPhone 6 screen, and then you know it doesn't work. It's been buggy. It's been slow. It's crashed at least once a week. Um, now you know I waited until this went GM yesterday to install iOS 9 because I use my phone all day every day, so I, yes, I have not. Same had um you know the in-depth use you've had with it christina but i have to say my first impression of it is ios 9 does seem to be much faster it does seem like the keyboard is faster it does seem more stable there's some things i could you know used to do to you know crash my phone in reproducible ways that doesn't seem to work now so it's i would call the performance on my iphone 6 plus excellent what really concerns me is i would call the performance on my iphone my ipad mini 2 which was the first model retina ipad um i would say it's nearly destroyed it um, you know, now what I'm doing right now is I'm I'm completely wiping it. I'm starting over. Um, you know, I'm going to see if like maybe it's a bad install. But you know, the keyboard is laggy. Switching apps is much slower than it used to be. And to be honest, I'm just really shocked by how much the performance has degraded. Um, have mm-hmm. you run into any of that with your testing? You know, I so I was testing it primarily mm-hmm. on an iPad Air two, but I have. Um, used it a bit, you know, on my iPad Air, which is the same thing, uh, I believe, you know, as iPad your, Mini, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I noticed some of that too, but to be honest, I'd kind of noticed that a little bit going to even iOS yeah, 8, I if I'm being too. totally honest. So I'm about to do a full refresh on that myself and, and just kind of start all over again because that thing has gotten really bogged down. So I don't know. I I, ha- I will say... I, I know at least on the phone side, the 5S, I was using a lot on the iPhone 5S cool. and it worked really well on a 5S. Hmm. Yeah, I have an iPad 2. Yeah, that's a little which old at this point. Yeah. It's yeah. very old. So, and it had its problems before, but I didn't have a chance to play around with it enough last night. I did totally update it though, and it it was as slow as it usually is. So we'll see. But we'll not see any it, slower? I hopefully. did not notice it, but I, I didn't spend a lot of time playing with it because I knew that the multitasking wouldn't work anyway. And I was like, I'm sad enough about this as it is. I don't need to to mess around with it a lot. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if I play with it more and see if it's slower. I guess I'd ask this, um, you know, like friend of the show, Marco, um, you know, he got quite a lot of heat this year. Like we're going to be talking about heat. Marco's gotten quite a bit today, but you know, he wrote a um, extremely critical piece of Apple talking about the, the, you know, degradation, of their software quality as they've released it. And, you know, I, something I heard at WWDC this year a lot in talking to people about that piece was, you know, they heard it, they were taking it seriously you were going to see Apple step up and, you know, kind of try to turn out more solid releases. What I have seen so far with iOS 9, at least on my um, iPhone 6 Plus, leads me to believe that Apple software quality seems to be improving. Um, is that your impression, Christina and Simone? Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. I mean, look, they still have work to do, but I definitely, I mean, I saw this, you know, even coming like iTunes notwithstanding, like even like the music app, you know, and, and even if you look at the quality of the notes app now and you look at what they did with the news app, it really does feel mm-hmm. like they've taken a lot more, ass, uh, uh, you know, effort to push into this. Maps, which we've talked about before, you know, 
no longer sucks. Um, I don't know if it doesn't suck anywhere, you know, might still suck some places, but it no longer sucks. And what's important about that is, I mean, that's a core part of the experience. And that was an area where Apple took a really good working solution and made it bad. Mm-hmm. by trying to do their own thing. And now it works really well, as it should. Um, they've also, you know, so it, it's it's uh, Siri, which had problems, you know, now is, is working better. And, and speaking of maps, I've talked to developers who've said, yeah, you know, we had some API issues with um, the iPhone or whatever, uh, or with the Maps app. And um, now we don't because Apple's fixed a lot of those bugs. So that's the sort of stuff that I think is important. Mm-hmm. So they are moving in a direction that is solid and promising in terms of software. I mean, I think we'll, we, right. we won't know until, you know, a month or two. But We won't it, know yeah. until we... Totally. And, but you know, it seems I do have better. to say, like, I, I do realize, like, my iPad mini, how old is that at this point? Like, that's three and a half years old, right? I mean, so, I mean... I think it's important that, you know, yeah, it is frustrating to update it and have it be slower. Um, but, you know, I think it's worth taking a step back and remembering Apple does offer exceptionally long lifetime, you know, support for the products and updating. Like, Simone, you're talking, you still use an iPad 2? Jesus. Wow. That's... It was the first one I bought. My very first app. Well, it right. the iPod. Uh, my baby's first that Apple product. That is very impressive. Very <laughs> impressive. Cool. Cool. Yeah. cool. Thank you. Yeah, and it is still working. I, I still play games on really? it all the time. So that, yeah, that's, that's what I true. We'll run on there. So, and it's definitely getting very slow and very full. Like I'm noticing experience, or lags for sure with games, but like it works. It's, it's still a good web browser, yeah. you know, still a good yeah. video player. Oh, I, I do have to say, Simone, like getting it to work on that was you wasted a year of my life with that device because it has so little, so little around. Oh, I'm the oh person I hate that who... device. I would, I would take an axe to every single one in the, the world if I could. Yeah. I'll, I'll hide right. it from you. Right. Oh my gosh, right. I love that thing. <laughs> so should we talk about uh, right. a friend, friend of the show, Marco's um, storm this week? Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, Marco Arment uh, this week released an app called Peace that blocks ads on iOS 9. And this is kind of part of a longer conversation that's been happening for sure over the last year where the, the topic of ethics and ad blocking keeps kind of bubbling up. And the release of this app seems to have lit a fire under the Internet's butt in terms of that particular conversation. Uh, So Marco wrote a piece on his blog, Marco.org, about how tracking and advertising on the web has reached this really, really ridiculously excessive level, and that this is a huge problem, especially with the mobile experience, because A, one of the reasons is how hard it is to detect when you're being tracked, where the trackers are, and how drastically it slows down your browsing speed. So what changed with iOS 9 was that Apple gave developers access to the WebKit Content Blocker API. So as Marco said in his post, we're going to be seeing a lot more apps like Peace show up in the App Store that promise ad blocking. And he talked about the process that he went through with making Peace. He licensed the tracking database from a company called Ghostry that makes a, mm-hmm. a Mac ad blocker, which he found he cross-referenced their database with a bunch of other databases and found that theirs was better in terms of how many trackers it blocked and also how how little it broke websites who use those trackers. And so that's why he chose to license that specific database. And so th- I think there's a, a conversation to be had, and we're going to have it today, um, about, I guess, the inherent conflict about 
ad blocking and whose responsibility it is to change the the ad ecosystem that we live in today. Yeah. You know, is it the publishers who are contracting out to to ad ad technologies to put them on their websites, or is it the readers who may want to avoid ads or may choose to block ads or may choose not to block ads? And um, I think you had something also to say, Brianna, about um, you mentioned it during our our talk about iOS nine about Apple's ad strategies. I don't remember what exactly you said, but it was really interesting to me and I should have written it down. Anyway, so Anil Dash actually had a tweet thread about this today um, about acknowledging, yeah, like how 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 we can acknowledge that advertising is really creepy now and diminishes browsing quality, but also the fact that a lot of smaller publishers don't necessarily have control over how ads are implemented on their sites. It's not just the smaller ones. It's not just the smaller ones. Yeah. Oh, well, not so, everyone I mean, is... Google, et cetera. I mean, look at what happened to, to our friend, uh, you know, Renee over at iMore. He got a tremendous amount of heat this year. If you think Renee Ritchie, like, wants to, you know, hurt iMore readers in any way or track them, you just don't know him. Like, and he no, was upfront about it. He, he's he like, hates, this he is, hates yeah. the ads they use, too. But yeah. he's a writer. And, right? and you know, what, what, what aspects he has on the business side, he realizes they're a smaller publisher. I mean, they're they're bigger than, you know, they have millions of page views, but they're smaller. I mean, mm-hmm. even places like Mashable, and, and this is where I'm strictly speaking as me, but I can offer a little bit of insight. So these views do not necessarily represent those of my employer, employer et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, <laughs> said very professionally. Well, it, it's it's an interesting thing to have a debate about and have an honest debate about. And I don't necessarily know if we're having a truly honest debate about it on Twitter. A lot of journalists and a lot of people who are in publishing are hand wringing over stuff, um, which sort of amuses me. And then you have it on the other side too. But the reality is, you know, at Mashable we do run a lot of native advertising. In fact, we were really early with doing sponsored posts, and, and our sponsored content is, is not what you would call like advertorial. It's more like um, we will come up with a, a concept and an idea, a brand will like it, and we'll agree to pay for that content. Um, we also have native advertising, which is truly native, where we will create where different members of teams not not associated with editorial will create content for Instagram or or mm-hmm. Twitter or Facebook or or whatever for the site that will that will live alongside our other content that will be shared. Um, and then we have, you know, traditional ads where, you know, companies will buy out maybe a whole section, they'll sponsor a section or they'll sponsor, you know, a group of articles or they'll do other things. And then we have remnant ads. And that's where ad networks come into play, where, yes, Google is part of it because DoubleClick, which they own, is one of the biggest ad exchanges in the world. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you have that ad exchange and then you have all these many, many hundreds of sub exchanges where companies are basically playing arbitrage where they're trying to get the best rates they can and they're they're selling them off piecemeal. So what happens is that if you're trying to track down where some of this really nasty stuff is, A, the only way you can really figure out why the the gross ads that are redirecting you to an app store and doing other stuff is mm-hmm. to actually look through your tracking and look through your analytics and see who did this appear to and and what was being served from what ad server. Um, but B, it's all, it's also a really difficult thing to avoid altogether because unless you are a smaller publication, to be perfectly frank, unless you ha- are someone who can afford to say, I'm only going to take ads from these people mm-hmm. and I have a big enough readership, but I'm a small enough person that I can do this, it's almost impossible to whitelist every single ad um, you know, uh, that comes through your site. It's almost mm-hmm. impossible. We have an entire team dedicated to ad ops and – you know, they spend a ton of time trying to keep the bad stuff off our site, but it still slips through. And we have 
a dedicated sales team. You look at a site like iMore where they have, you know, salespeople, but they're a smaller operation and a lot of their stuff is going to frankly come from ad networks and a lot of it's going to be gross and it's going to be, uh, you know, tracker laden and, and have some other aspects to it. And so the ad tech industry is, is kind of in a weird place where you have like even video ads, which is a whole other kind of discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, there are standards that the, you know, um, that IAB like will will put together and 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 say this is what is is marked as a standard. This is okay. That's not okay. But a not everybody adheres to that. B the standards can sometimes be kind of um, in flux. And when it comes to video ads, there's not even really a standard, and everybody calculates things differently. So what YouTube counts as pre roll and what um, Facebook does and what other places do are all different. Oof. And so you know. To, to, to not be long and uh, drawn out and, and convoluted, this is a really complex problem that publishers face, and and it's oh absolutely, and I think that tech politics, like nerds, like to pretend this stuff is very easy, you know, and it's a real you know confluence of different interests, and you know I have to because I'm gonna have a bit to say about this, you know, like I I booted up you know Apple's news app last night, and I was blown away with it. It was like reading my friend's yes. work without garbage with it. Like Christina, really like I, yep. I was looking at your stuff on Mashable, which by the way, it's like at least on my iOS screen, it was only two scrolls down, which I thought was really cool. I couldn't figure out why Apple put boy genius report so high on that list when I wouldn't call them <laughs> the most awesome people I know. But, um, you know, like, uh, you know, I went, you know, start reading your stuff, Christina, or my friends over at Polygon or, you know, my friends over at GameSpot is a drastically, better experience for me. It's right there on my home screen. But I'm also like wrenched with guilt because like as it currently exists, there were no ads whatsoever. And I realized that like, you know, and this is going to get into a deeper issue where iOS 9 is Apple's stab at Google for their ad revenue. And, you know, like we need to talk about that because like in, in the news app, as it is right now, it strips it down. And, you know, most ads that you see on The Verge, on Polygon, on ESPN, you know, those are all served through this, um, you know, ad network that, you know, Google basically sells ads for. The news app as right. it is right now strips it. Now, Apple will go back through and put back in unblockable ads for well, a 30% they will, yeah, cut. They will do that. They which will is, also let yeah. you sell your own. Go ahead. So yeah. that's an important point. They will let you sell. If you sell your own, you get 100% of the revenue. Here's the problem. Um, the Verge, BuzzFeed, at some point Mashable, um, these bigger entities, all the Condé Nast stuff, trust me, they will be selling their own and they will be selling it at a premium assuming they can get the numbers. And that's right. sort of the promise Apple is taking. Uh, your smaller places are not going to be able to do that. Your Mac rumors, you know, um, you know, some of, some of your other, your, some of your smaller blogger sites, they are going to have to deal with the iAd stuff, which to be frank has kind yeah. of been a failure for Apple. You know, they introduced it when Steve Jobs was still alive and hasn't done that well. Um, I mean, there, it, it's possible that they could get better inventory and do better. You know, it took a long time for Facebook's ad business to really take off. But the reality is, um, you know, um, if you're a big enough publisher, you're embracing Apple News right now because there's the opportunity, A, for more discovery, more kind of interaction and whatnot. B, 
they are actually going to be counted towards Comscore hits, which is important so that your regular mm-hmm. ad rates won't plummet. And C, if you're a good salesperson, um, and a lot of these organizations have really good salespeople, then you can you know, take advantage of the fact that maybe your content looks better and people will be in it longer and sell better ads that can't be skipped. But you're right. Can, can, I, can I make a, a point just because sure. like, this is something I don't understand. I want to make sure I'm, I'm very clear sure. about this. So currently... Um, you know, like I've used Ghostery yes. and I've looked at the number of stuff that Vox cites and I love their, their work. I love their editorial work, but the amount of tracking they do on me is gross. Yeah. It is, it was really disturbing. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank Marco who, you know, like, he, you know, he has been researching this for a bit and, you know, he's the reason like I installed it in the first place. And I am, as much as I love Polygon's work, the amount of tracking they do on me is, is really disturbing. Now those are ads done through third party services, but primarily done with Google. Correct. Most of them double click. Yes. Most of them. Correct. So if I'm understanding this correctly, if I use the news app currently, it will strip out those ads now, Apple can either, they'll have like their own iAd business and they'll take 30% of the cut or Mashable can go out, sell their own ads with their own content through that. Yes. And then you get a 100% cut yes. if you have a dedicated sales team. So yes. like if it's a, an ad for, what's something I use a lot? Uh, motorcycle arm, <laughs> right? Like I get that ad a lot. Like you would go out there and say, Will you advertise with this or how does that work? Yeah, basically you would have an ad team yeah. that would say, we want you to be an advertiser in the news app version of our site. So if okay. we're Polygon, for instance, if I'm Vox Media, I would go out and I would say, okay, so we want you, you will now be part of the inventory that we're now providing in our back end that is talking to Apple's back end, which will serve these ads. But we uh, procure the relationship um, and so we get 100% of the profits. Part of the issue is that Apple, and when I talked to them a couple weeks ago about Apple News, you know, they're trying to walk the fine line between providing publishers the tracking information that, frankly, they need to prove to advertisers that the stuff is working uh, and keeping user privacy safe. And they, they, you know, I think they're going to find the right balance and they're probably going to err on the side of, side of users first and publishers second. Um how well that will work out long term for the success of Apple News, I don't know. But, um, you know, that will be kind of one of those things where publishers may, are probably not going to get as much information as they would if, um, or advertisers, if they, you know, were going through, you know, um, a direct deal with um, the website because that happens all the time too. And, and whatever analytics and trackers are there and whatever demographic information is, is passed on to them. Uh, but if you have a good enough salesperson, yeah, they're basically going to say to you, okay, you're now going to be part of of this, or maybe we want you to sponsor these types of articles or or this type of content, but Mm. you're going to be advertising paying this rate to be in Apple News. And you'll be one of maybe, you know, three or four, you know, ads, ad blocks that that are appearing in any given article. Um, And and, and that'll be part of the inventory. Now, what Apple will do is that if either you can't sell enough inventory or any or you need backfill, then it will supplement its own iAd network which is in all intents and purposes, I mean, they're tracking things might be different, but it's no different than any other, you know, uh, ad exchange um, will be, you know, uh, backfill and, and will go in there in, in its place. And if you use iAd, then you get 70%, Google get uh, Apple gets 30. If you are doing your own direct sales, huh. then you get 100% of it. Um, but that's it? gonna that's that's gonna require you to maintain those relationships and 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 connect your ad, you know, serving stuff to, to Apple's systems. And, and um, you know, that's gonna be, 
a few months so, before it so bringing comes us back on, on topic the, like you know you have marco and he comes out and i was very surprised yeah. i was really blown away uh you know at wwvc this year when you know we found out that ios 9 was going to have you know basically content blocker extensions and i i was really surprised yes. by that like if you look at the history of safari on ios like when it started they said look, we're not going to let you mess with it. We're not going to let you install extensions. We're really getting back to basics. And this is kind of going back to that right. complexity. And, you know, like Marco, he's taken a lot of unfair stuff in the in the press today, in my opinion. And I think there's a double standard that he is held to. And oh, there's a complete there's double so standard. Much there's so much Of course, yes. That and you know, it's like Marco, founder of you know, and they they use like Tumblr against him, and then you know, like oh, it's ridiculous. Instapaper. How are they using Tumblr uh, against him? Well, because Tumblr obviously, you know, was had. I don't. I mean, they had advertising, right. and and they made money that way. And and mm-hmm. he left before they were doing a lot of the native things, but they had yeah. advertising and were advertising supported. Yeah. Um, Instapaper is. And the magazine both kind of show that yeah. this has always been the space he's been interested in. Instapaper was controversial and still is for some people because it would strip out ads. It would mm-hmm. basically just get you the cruft and make it easy to re- read on the subway. That's a great offline reading experience. It's a great experience for users. Mm-hmm. Frankly, yeah, it is kind of crappy for, for publishers, but it was kind of the, and he was kind of the first one to really do that. Then read it later, which became Pocket, came out, Apple and other people mm-hmm. have built it into their services. He was kind of making a point when he was bringing those things in, I don't think to necessarily scrape the ad out except when they're displayed but i think you know look it it, it, i i understand the instant paper argument more because even though i don't agree with this he was charging a a premium for a service so you would pay either monthly or or yearly for a service Mm -hmm. and you're essentially potentially maybe getting people's ad supported content without ads Mm -hmm. um and you're paying someone else to do that 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 can be a little off and i and i understand the criticism of charging for an ad blocker uh i I don't agree with it in this case but i do understand why someone is saying who are you to charge three dollars for your app which is blocking ads when my livelihood my website is relying on ads and you're now taking you know, it's unfair to go app. after Marco. Are you to Marco chart? is building something I, in the system. Apple's the one that opened this up, and I don't see people right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, not saying you are saying that. Right, 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 I, right, right. I, I, I want to make I'm that clear. Yeah. I'm saying um, though that. Yeah, yeah. No, and I so, understand that, and I will also say to Marco's right. point, and, and to his credit, you right. know, a he's using Ghostry, which tends to be a little bit better for some of the tracking stuff, and that's really what it's after. It's not about removing mm-hmm. all ads; it's about removing a lot of the tracking things, which I think is very different. So I, th- I think there are two points. One is I think we can all agree that kind of the level of tracking and, and the level of, of bots and the way that it's slowing down the web more than anything else and really making the experience terrible and getting redirects to installing apps and doing other pop-up nonsense and having just terrible experiences <laughs> and autoplay videos, I think we can all agree that's a negative experience and makes the web worse. Yes. I think we can also say, uh, most of us can say, you know, but the reality is we need ads to keep content available to us and micropayments are not a solution. It's not going to happen. Nope. It mm-hmm. does not scale. It does not scale. If it's scale, people would already be using it. It does not scale. If, if Patreon and that sort of policy would work, then everyone would use it. They don't. Yeah. It doesn't. It won't. And not everyone is going to be John Gruber who can spend, who can charge $10,000 for an RSS feed every week. Not mm-hmm. everyone's going to have that type of audience and have that kind of capability. That's not in any way to denigrate John. Yeah. That's to say that's the reality. 
But I think we can say that there are problems with the ad industry and that things have gone too far and that it's right for developers to build tools to help make things better. I also think we can say what I like about Marco's approach, and I do like Peace, is that there is a way to whitelist. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these apps, Crystal, which I've beta tested and I enjoy, a lot of these apps will not give you any way to whitelist a website. Um, Full disclosure, I whitelist Mashable anytime I use an ad blocker. Uh-huh. Why? It pays my salary. I've been there for six years. Some of our ads piss me off. And I, when I find them, I complain to the right people. And if you see them, complain to me. If you see something particularly egregious, I'll, I'll do my best to take care of it. Um, but, you know, that's where I make my money is working for a company that is ad supported. And so I like that in peace, yeah. Mashable has a whitelist. And, and and anytime I'm viewing it in iOS, it's not going to yeah. be subject to that stuff. But I also respect that there are a lot of sites that I will click on that will then redirect me to a million different things and create a really terrible experience. And even though I'm a writer and even though my work is advertising supported, that doesn't mean that I'm not a user too and I'm not going to be a big enough person and an adult enough to say this situation sucks and I'm not going to criticize users for wanting a better experience and I'm certainly not going to criticize developers for taking advantage of you know an API that Apple wrote. So my question is since we're since we're at this point where users are taking steps and developers are taking steps to kind of to go to go against this narrative of ads that are really intrusive and um, really exploitative, do you think that we are going to see a change in the way that ads are implemented on sites? Yes. I don't know if it's going to be for the better, but we mm-hmm. will. I think what's going to happen is that the bigger publishers that are going to start to see a drop off of this stuff, and we've seen this already where there are some sites – that have tremendously high ad blocker rates. Ars Technica historically has had a really hard time selling ads Mm -hmm. because even though they're owned by Condé Nast, a humongous portion of their user base uses ad blockers. And so it's hard for them to get the right analytics and have the right things go through. So I think two things will happen. One, there's probably probably going to be a move to standardizing um, ad units more and, and tracking units more to be part of a confederation and say this is allowed and this is not. And hopefully something that the content blockers will agree with and say if you follow these policies and if you're standardized, then we won't block you. Two, you will see – so you will see I think some of – the bottom has already dropped out of the industry when you're at the arbitrage level where literally people are arguing over you know thirds of senses for, per clicks <laughs> that they're selling in arbitrage things. Um, I think that the value of that stuff will only deplete more and hopefully, hopefully that stuff will go away. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of money in it and a lot of people can just make a lot of big butts and don't care about anything and there's a bunch of crappy sites. But hopefully for bigger publishers, this will push them to forcing the double clicks of the world, frankly, forcing the Googles to getting to doing more to get rid of those places. Um, so I think that, that that'll happen. I also think that it's going to change. People are going to start to mess with the systems and are going to, frankly, start messing with the HTML and the JavaScript stuff to make how ads appear harder to block. Can, that's going to be I the next thing that happens. That? And, like, that's, and, and this is sure. really, Simone, you probably have a bit to say about this too, because that is hugely affecting the video game industry. So there's a trend right now yes. with video game journalism that sites like you know GameSpot, all the ones that traditionally have written content, you know, if you're a younger viewer, you really tend to install ad blockers, like on your PC. It's it's up. Oh, I'm sorry, my stupid dogs. You know, it's it's up at. <laughs> It's epidemic with what, um, you know, younger readers tend to do. So what this is doing is, you know, YouTube was already eating the lunch of a lot of people for a long time. And that's just hastening it now because you can't skip video ads in the same way. So like 
GameSpot a while back mm-hmm. fired a whole bunch of my friends. Like they car- fired Carolyn Pettit, you know, um, a whole bunch of people got fired and then they brought on new friends of mine like Alexa who specialize in doing video <laughs> content because that's the move that they have had to make in this this you know, this ad market where so many people are installing these mm-hmm. things. So I think it makes no yes. sense to criticize Marco for utilizing a framework that Apple developed when someone is going to develop this. Like, look for Safari, how many ad blockers there are out there. You know, like, you can't stop it. Yeah, and I would... S- mm-hmm. No, you can't. And I would also say that at least someone like Marco is doing this who we can trust. Because my biggest concern... If I'm being honest, you look at companies like Adblock Plus and which one, there are like a million of them. What they do is actually, to me, um, completely and, and, and totally screwed up. What they do is that they will create a whitelist if you pay them. And if you pay them enough money, they will put you on a whitelist and they won't block your ads. Oof. That, to me, is extortion and it's terrible and those guys can go screw themselves. Well, does that, so, that, if I'm understanding correctly, that takes it out of the control of the user and puts yes. it back on the company who can afford to pay for having their yes. ads seen. Well, exactly. It's extortion. And the yeah. thing is, some users will create block lists that you can custom load, but the default list that they will give you, they will say, oh, well, you know, these companies, we, we've decided that they're okay. Why are they okay? Because they paid us a, a, a crap load of money. So at that point, it has absolutely nothing to do with tracking, nothing to do with piracy, mm-hmm. nothing to do with how long it takes your site to load. It all comes down to how much money are you going to give us? Mm-hmm. And they've actually gone there. There was a report last year that showed that this company had gone to big publishers and had basically pulled the extortion scheme, which is basically if you give us X amount of money, then we will whitelist you. We will whitelist your ad um, exchange, we will whitelist your stuff. That's screwed up. So to me, I'm more concerned about those types of companies. And and, and, and uh, uh, amazingly, uh, Adblock Plus is not releasing uh, an iOS extension. They released their own browser. Why? Because they want to be able to control what they can oh, show wow. and what they can't. And the rules of the iOS, you know, content stuff isn't, um, can't be updated on the fly the way that they would want it to be. So, um, but that that's my whole rant against them. Um, I, I prefer things like Ghost Ray, Ublock, and whatnot. But what is going to happen, though, you're right, uh, Bree, is that people are going to start designing content around it. And I, I fear that with the exception of things like Apple News and, and, and um, news readers and other things, it's going to be harder at some point for people to view content or content you're going to view is going to be messed up. One note I will say about Ghost Ray, and this is one thing I kind of have an issue with peace about, and I, I love Marco. Um, I would change, if I were him, I would want to change how um, he does his default things for he has social widgets turned off. And the reason I would do that is because by default what that does is it means that if you've embedded a tweet or an Instagram or any sort of content like that in a post, oh. it doesn't display correctly. Oh, and I'm no. here's the thing. I'm completely for cutting down the trackers that people use, but we have to understand that a lot of these trackers are tied to content. And if the subject of my post is including tweets and Instagram and other things, that's important for me to to be able to see that. And as a user, I'm not going to know that it's my content blocker that's making my stuff appear janky. I'm going to think the site is screwed up. And there's nothing the site can do about it if you're blocking how those scripts appear. Yeah, it's going to affect like, I mean, your proof behind the things that you're writing, right? Like if you're saying like X posted Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z, like you've got to be able to do that. I think, you know, if I can pull back for a minute here, uh, yeah, I think the key point is it it frustrates me that so much of the stuff I've seen today has kind of been, it's been talking about Marco rather than, Right, How dare this right. rich guy build this and, and tool that's taking money out of my mouth? Let's be let's be real. Is. A lot of it is very personalized and is it, jealousy you know, fueled, like, and that's uh, screwed our up. Our friend Josh Centers once uh, proposed that Marco and I do a podcast together called <laughs> Storm, <laughs> which which, <laughs> which <laughs> because, like, we both 
or people people kind of like to dislike sometimes. But I mean, my point here is more about the industry is constantly singing the praise of disruption, right? And look, I don't have a religious problem with Google, but for God, most of my adult lifetime now, they have had a freaking stranglehold on ad money and ad markets Mm -hmm. and who sells ads and who does it. Like, do you know the amount of work my company has to have to do with like SEO stuff and like paying um, like Google AdSense words to boost certain things, which is to me, it's like extortion. So, you know, like my point is, With Apple getting into the game and looking at this fresh thing and saying, look, this is 2015. Most people don't go to Mashable.com. Sorry, Christina, to get your news. You look at what stories go viral and you get them on Facebook, Twitter, and all those places. Absolutely. What? Why? Why do you think? Of course, we and that's why you succeed. I mean, it's amazing I mean, to me watching exactly. it spike. Yeah. And, and, and and that's a great point. I mean, and this is an area where where I think. Some, you know, to, to a certain extent, yeah. people are fighting over the wrong thing, which is uh, more and more content is being read on other platforms, not just Apple News, but um, Facebook and, and you know, even Twitter cards and, and other services. People are getting them in these chunks. BuzzFeed is genius at this, you know, where they will release their videos in far and wide and get them on all these different, a- you know, arenas, Snapchat. There are all these different platforms. And those are things that are going to be almost impossible to block ads from. Um, because you can't block it from within an app. You know, you mm-hmm. can't block your Facebook mobile ads. You can't block, you know, your, your your Twitter ads from the official Twitter app. If you're in Snapchat, you can't, you know, once they start doing ads for stuff, you can't get rid of that. And so that's going to be the interesting thing that happens will be how much is the industry kind of pushed more towards these silos? I don't like that. I would prefer to see people on the web. It's a shame to me that we've allowed, that the, 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 frankly, the ad industry on the internet has allowed the situation to devolve to the point that, users have to install ad blockers or content blockers, whatever, so that they can experience something on their phone without it taking 15 minutes. So that loading a site like iMore, which is a great site and they do great work. And I love, um, you know, um, uh, Mark, uh, uh, I think his name is Marcus, who who runs uh, uh, Adelson, who, who, who owns, um, you know, Mobile Nations. And, and, and I like, um, you know, I love Kevin Mickelchuk and I, I love Renee. Um, I love these guys, but it's ridiculous that me going to that site on my mobile phone over, you know, LTE or whatever, that it should be 10 megabytes for me to load the homepage. That's insane. Yeah, it's it's unacceptable. It's yeah. unacceptable, and you know, they created the situation. But I think I, I think that mm-hmm. with traffic moving towards those platforms, I really hope I hope that Apple News will catch on because it is clean. It is easier to read this content that I love, and you know, I think that like new ad networks rising up to compete with Google. Like we're always talking about disruption. Like why hold Apple? Why hold Marca to this double standard? Like let's right. open this up. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't disagree. That well, the problem is is that anytime anybody tries to do a really good ad network, Google usually acquires them. Um, and that I, yeah. Well, not this time, not this time. And I do, Christina, I have to give you a bit of pushback about iAds being a failure. And it was, clearly. But it was at, it was for a time period where we were trying a different kind of paradigm. And, you know, Apple was experimenting with saying, okay, we are not going to no, charge for apps. That. And this was when you were thinking Starbucks, Sephora, no, everything right. needed but, an but app. But I'm saying, if I went but they were, to they were going against AdMob, which Google bought. Yeah, and yeah. they lost. 
And and not only that, the reason I say it's a failure is because it was because even in newsstand, I know this for a fact. Um, what, you know, they got rid of newsstand, and now now all those apps exist in their own little folder in their own silos. They were trying to get publishers to sell and 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 do you know magazine ads through iAd. None of them bit because they it wasn't working. They didn't have the inventory. And and if you look at even the the big things that would say, oh, you know, we've got Toy Story and we've got, I think Nissan did these ads and all these great experiences. No one cared. And Conde still is going to sell. You know, it, most of the time they're just going to use the same freaking PDF ads that they you know develop for you know in in InDesign and they they publish um using Adobe's tools. And frankly, Adobe then has an ad serving network where they could serve things up dynamically if they wanted to. And they have better analytics in the way of Omniture, which Apple has never offered. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I, I don't think there's any way we can. Con- I, I there's no way I can conceive that iAd hasn't been a failure, which is why I don't know what sort of inventory they have going into Apple News. I genuinely don't, and that's going to be an interesting way how this all approaches. Because if their inventory is just crap, and if it pays very little, then it's not going to be a huge incentive for anybody to want their stuff to be in Apple News. So that's something to keep an eye on. Is uh, iOS nine goes forward? Is how profitable? news the news app is well what the user adoption is like as long as the adoption is high they'll figure out the rest of it so and 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 how and how are users you know how how are companies using this stuff because at this point you know i mean like you can send you can get into apple news by basically just making your rss feed look a certain way but if you actually become a publisher then it becomes a slightly different experience but like for us for instance we don't offer a full um rss feed uh, of our stuff anymore, and we haven't for a long time. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if people start. Um, and I, th- I think we do have the full feed now in in Apple News. But it will be interesting to see if that happens, or if you start to see what you see in Flipboard sometimes, which is it looks really pretty, and then you've got to click on a link to continue reading on the website mm-hmm. because you know only half the article showed up because people are using truncated feeds. I look at your article now in, in Apple News, Christine. This is, it's beautiful. Like the fonts are beautiful. <laughs> it's not distracting. Yep. This is the way to read Christina Warren's work. I think I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Hover, which is the best way to buy and manage domain names. It makes it simple. You just think about what kind of name you want for your project and you type it in. You look at all the choices they have. They have so many TLDs to choose from. And then you purchase your domain and you you go on your happy, happy way. So when you buy a domain, you don't want to be faced down with thousands of screens and add-ons and high prices and tricks and lies and smoke and mirrors. You just want to get in, get out and start building your website. So Hover makes it really super easy to do that. They have their .coms, their .co's or .co's. I don't know how to pronounce it actually they're dot me's and then they have a bunch of fun all the fancy new ones like your your dot sexies your dot plumbings um your dot churches which i am always a fan of as you know so they're, they offer these .com domains from 12.99 that includes who is privacy for free as all of hover's domains do um and they have fantastic customer support should you run into a problem along the way they are famous for their customer support in fact when you call hover you can talk to an actual human being but if you prefer to not talk to human beings as many of us do uh, they have online support as well documents and guides everything that you need to get going and email as well They also have a valet service, uh, which will switch you from your current provider. They do all of that for you, and you can do that with as many domains as you want, which is 
pretty darn cool. So they are an awesome website. I always have fun looking up the domains that we could potentially buy through them. Um, and if you want to try Hover.com as well, you can use the show code BLASTOFF at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and you will show them and show us that you support Rocket and Relay FM. And someone huh? please buy me the other C word.com, please. The other C word. I'm going to, I'm looking it up. The other C word. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> While I'm doing that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so thank you so much, Hover, for supporting this episode of Rocket. You are freaking awesome. And so are we. <laughs> Whoa, that was so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. So should we cover XOXO quickly and then kind of uh, wrap up the, the other uh, wrap up me. the show? Yeah. Other yeah. C-word dot me. Oh my God. Dollars and six cents. You should get it. I should get it. <laughs> really oh my God. Okay. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Let's talk a bit, talk a bit about um, XOXO, which I did not make it to because no, I, my didn't. life imploded over the weekend. So that's okay. Is everything better now? <laughs> yes, everything is much better now. So I, I hear that you had a very good time. I was so jealous seeing all the stuff that came out of there. I was like, it's best that I didn't go because I didn't have tickets to the actual conference itself. It was all sold out. So I wouldn't have been able to see every frame of painting, the every frame of painting guy talking on stage, yeah. which I really yeah. wanted to, but. I, 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 uh, he was great. And, um, uh, uh, C Spike, uh, Trotman, who is, uh, who I was not familiar with, who, um, does Smut Peddler and is, is like a comic goddess. Yes. She was unreal. Spike is like my new favorite person in the world. She was amazing. She was such a good speaker. Heather Armstrong was great. Um, uh, Eric Mayer was, was, Meyer was, was wonderful. Uh, uh, Zoe Quinn was really good. Yes. And, and I thought they'd heard her speech made some really great points. What I liked about her speech was that a lot of it was very much not about her at all, but just kind of talking about the psychology behind stuff. And it was very relatable. And I loved that she kind of admitted that she's been like a troll, you know, in the past, not the way that the people have attacked her. But when she was a kid, she would kind of be, you know, a jerk to people on the internet, mm -hmm. which we've all done, which I've certainly done and, and certainly have kind Kind of participated yeah. in and, and I thought her speech was was really really good I mean there were so many amazing speakers and um, the the um, events afterwards were great and then I mean for me it was just so fundamentally so awesome to just get to hang out with you know friends and see people like Marco like Stephen like Mike um, and uh, it was uh, it, it, it was really really fantastic yay what was your absolute favorite thing that you did do you think <sighs> gosh um I think my favorite thing there was a, a one night we there was a party that we had on the roof of um some of uh some people's friends um um office building and it, that was just an awesome time just meeting Yay. new people and what just do you think out. about portland because last time i, I went love to portland, portland. You, do, you do love portland okay i love portland so I had an experience last week. I have a friend who lives in Portland and she's posting, I hope she doesn't listen to this, pictures of her skull collection, which she gets from Paxton Gate, which is a store in Portland. So I went, I, I did, I fell into this internet hole of looking up the Instagram tag for Paxton Gate and seeing all the people who have bought skulls and like animal body parts and things from here. And apparently there's this whole culture that a, a resurgence of urban decorating involving like deer heads on the wall and i have 
I have a lot of feelings about this. And <laughs> my poor roommate had to suffer through me ranting at him. I do not understand this. I don't understand having a collection of skulls. I don't understand living in an urban area and putting a moose head on your wall. It baffles me. I did enjoy the tree that That's amazing, had four though. antelope heads attached to it. That pleased me in many ways. Um, they have spider mounting classes where you can like mount spider bodies and butterflies also, you know, pin them, not mount them like sexually. You know, that would be weird. Um, I made it weird. But anyway, so Portland is an interesting place. That struck me as a very Portland thing. Uh, yes, to it's such a Portland conference and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went last year, you know, that's why I, I paid my own money to go and, and stay. And it was just, I mean, it was an amazing conference. Um, a, a, a Spike speech, I think was probably, uh, there were so many good speeches, but mm-hmm. I think hers was probably my favorite. She was just such um, an inspiration to hear her story about, you know, her background, where she comes from, how she got into comics, how... Um, She's been belittled and kind of talked down to along the way and has been very successful in Kickstarter and has been doing mm-hmm. this indie thing and and just her perspective of, of doing stuff with Smut Puddler. I mean, she's just she's yeah. bad. And I was just I wasn't familiar with her at all. And mm-hmm. now I'm like a complete huge fan of everything she does. And so mm-hmm. I really hope they do another one. You know, Andy McMillan and Andy Bow just did a tremendous job putting it together and then all the nighttime activities too. So even if you didn't go to the conference, just having the tabletops night and having, you know, the, the film festival and the animation festival and having just the, the closing parties, just, I got to hang out with so many cool people, um, and meet people that you just wouldn't get to meet in other environments. And, um, I loved it. It was really great. Mm-hmm. Such Seeing a good your experience. Instagram feed yeah, made me I felt definitely the same way. kind of plan to put oh. that one on my schedule for next year. I will. Year. I think I'm going to try to go next oh. year. Yeah. Yeah. You should. You should, Brie, because it's totally your conference. I mean, it, it, that's the thing. It's like, it's just a great, like, well, I love that nice it mixes coalition. up print mediums and online publications and like all of that and creative tech stuff and together. In you know, they conference. had, you know, they had a gaming night, like an arcade, you know, where people were showing off their indie games and stuff. And, um, panic, um, always has an open house party at, at their offices, which are amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because they had um, they had Mario Maker out because it had just come hey. out. And so game. everybody was having fun with it. And it, no, it was just so, so much cool. Fun. Oh my God, Mario Maker. Can we talk? I know that we're not isometric, but Mario so Maker is good. so my favorite thing in the entire world. Courtney needs to let so me play it. So if you leave it. me in Peckle, Simone, like I have two copies of it. Anyone oh, can get my copy of Mario Maker by beating me in Peckle. I thought about taking you up on that. You won't win. You won't win. I'll just tell you right now. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, actually, no. I don't have a Wii U. What oh, am I talking oh, about? Oh, there we go. There we go. I'm, I'm getting one. Black Friday, you though. Should. That's my... You should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. Because it's... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I bought one for Mario Kart, you yeah, guys. Dude, seriously. no. I've wanted one for years, and it's just not been a thing I can commit to financially. But now no, Emmett I and I are like, uh, so what if we went halvesies on an Xbox One and a Wii U together? Like, would that be weird? No, We've- I think that's I think that's necessary. I, I, I got the Wii U primarily because of... of, of um, Mario Kart, but I won't lie, a big part of it was also because I wanted to play um, so Earthbound so on the well, uh, virtual console. Well, you know, Yearwalk came out today. Yearwalk is this game from a Swedish publisher called Simogo, and it's a horror game really b- heavily based on Swedish Swedish mythology, and it basically has like your your codex kind of on the gamepad and the game on the TV. And it, it, it really, that's, I think, one of those games. I haven't played it yet, but it looks like it uses the gamepad really effectively, which oh, is that's such awesome. an awesome thing. And it's creepy as heck. So I'm that's so going to be my thing to, to make me buy the Wii U. They're, re- they're remaking Resident Evil, aren't they? They are. They are. Well, so they're, they're, I mean, it's the same way that they, they, uh, did the HD remake. Um, yes. So, I mean, I, I hope it has less boob jiggle. But yeah, I have to, <laughs> I have to ask you about XOXO. Like, I feel conferenced out 
I yes. do. And, you know, like increasingly, there are a few conferences I will go to, even if I don't get paid to show up to them. Like, um, you know, GDC is one, like, because that's such a networking opportunity. Like, it, to you, is XOXO, is the quality of people and networking you get to, to do there, is that, does that, like warrant taking all that time off of work to go out there because i'm like i'm on a plane for the next three weeks you know like uh i mean for, for me personally yeah, yes why? i mean look I, I went directly from the apple event to um portland and i paid my own money i got an airbnb i paid for my ticket which was not cheap you know paid my airfare did the whole thing took t- took days off of work and i'm in the middle of crunch time for a lot of stuff um i did it because I personally, like, it was almost a mental health thing. Like, I got a lot out of it emotionally, kind of, uh, you know, I, I, the people I'm around were great. The, the talks I saw were great. I'm not an indie person. I, I, I would like to think that maybe someday I could be, but I like that whole aesthetic. And I like hearing about people who are doing their own thing and are making it work. And I like talking to other intelligent people who care about creativity and care about technology and care about the way that they can work together and care about making, you know, the web, the world, the whole kind of ecosystem better. Um, and for me, just being with people like that, even if it's just for a weekend, um, for me, it was worth it. Sounds good. So Sounds you like sold some. me on it, Warren. You did. <laughs> you did. You did. Oh, I'll see you there next year. Uh, I just want to mention really quick, or not really quick, I want to take my sweet time with it. This week's episode of Rocket is brought to you by Kirby, which is a parental control service for iOS that allows parents to manage iPads, iPhones, and iPod touches. As we know, and as we've discussed today, kind of on the on a good day, the internet can be really scary. It's full of a bunch of crap, and it can be terrifying for parents to think about sending their kids out into that into that world. So this app lets, lets kids enjoy the good parts of the internet while protecting them from the nefarious parts. Um, and kids will – kids find ways – lots of ways to get into trouble. They can get into trouble over your local Wi-Fi network. They can get into trouble through data and at their friends' houses. They'll get into trouble everywhere. But Kirby solves that problem by giving you parental controls for those devices that let you block specific types of content or at a specific site. Uh, it also – uh, tracks and blocks websites through Safari and any other iOS app that has a web browser. And it works not just on your own Wi-Fi network, but also Wi-Fi at a friend's house, um, basically anywhere. And it lets you kind of set your own boundaries. It's not just about keeping the bad stuff away. You can also use it to make sure that kids are using the devices in the way that you feel they should be used in a balanced way. So you, you can block specific things like social networks in time chunks if you want them to do their homework during that time. Oh, that sounds great. I need yeah, that for honestly, my job. Like, that, that sounds that's, wonderful. That's me yeah. with uh, Tumblr in the morning. Oh, my God. If I blocked Tumblr just from the time I wake up until the time I get to work, <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. That would change my entire life. <laughs> But yeah, and you could you know you could block the internet for the night period when people should be sleeping. So that that can come in really handy. I know for a lot of parents, for a lot of adults. So this is six ninety nine a month. Kirby can protect all of the iOS devices in your home or wherever they may be. Those iOS devices roaming out in the wild, and that's Kirby spelled C U R B I. You can find out more at Kirby dot com slash Rocket. And thank you so much for supporting this episode of Rocket and for supporting Relay. FM. Yeah, I have to say, like, content blockers for kids, that is a tough engineering problem to solve, because there's, there's obviously a need for it. Um, there is. And but like, how you you balance the competing interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, 
on the on the podcast the other day, we were talking to the um, a mom who knew a girl, a daughter, like a seven year old kid who had somehow accidentally stumbled into pornography on their Kindle Fire, and like that kind of thing shouldn't happen. And this is the kind of thing that will stop things like that from happening. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, look until Apple has a proper kids mode for iPhone. This is this is a great opportunity. Well, I mean, even mm-hmm. once they have it, this will be good too. But I mean, you know, since they're clearly not doing anything to to make that kind of happen, I think this is great. Mm-hmm. Why why hasn't Apple done that yet? I don't like. I have no affinity for kids, but you know, like, I don't <laughs> understand why. Yeah, I kinda, yeah. I, look, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I just figure, look, if they're going to censor what can come in and out of the app store, you would think they would yeah, do that mode. Let's I mean, really do that. I mean, because yeah. I think that that's one of the things that 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 you know, Samsung has had it for a while. It's, Amazon is famous for having it. I kind of would have thought like that's that would have been one of their really good things to do. Um, but mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, sure. it, that's one of the great things about now having the constant blocker API, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Can we wrap up the show? I've got another yeah, show. So, Brianna, <laughs> what are you doing? What am this I doing week? this week? I am enjoying my last sliver of moments with uh, Spirited Dude I live with, and uh, then I am I'm trying to get uh, as much of our Rev sixty uh, PC and iOS re release out the door, and then I am going off for what my office is calling Travel Palooza which is uh, living on a plane constantly. I, I don't even know where I'm going this week. I think it may be Oculus. So Oculus is having a really big event, uh, meeting with some venture capitalists down there. Um, and I'm speaking at a college, I think, this week. So it's uh, – I am I going to be here next week? Do we know – this could be my last rocket for a while. Yeah, we have so some guest, we'll have guest stars lined up to oh, awesome. take the place of our beloved Brianna Wu while she it's, is on her magical, magical trip around the world. It's true. It's true. So, and but guys, like one quick thing before we go, we're going to have to have a show whenever I get back or whenever about the AT&T next plans and these leasing plans, because my God, I looked at that for so long and I cannot figure yeah. it out. Like it is, it is really confusing. Oh, totally. So I want us to do a show okay. about that. It's on the list. Cool. Christina, what are you Let's up to this week? Well, um, I've been listening to Taylor Swift, to Brian, Ryan Adams's cover of, of uh, Taylor Swift's uh, Bad Blood, um, Ad Nauseum. I'm working on some massive deadlines for early next week. And on Monday next week, um, uh, Ryan Adams's 1989 cover album drops. So um, I'm counting down the days for that. I, I might be more excited about that than I am about the pink iPhone. Um, <laughs> Which I, I am I, getting. I, it is on yes, its way. as am I. I. I'm very excited about that. No, I've got a lot of deadlines. Things I can't talk about, but I will be able to talk about next show. I'm excited, Christina. <laughs> All right. And I am, I have a lot of, I have some exciting things that I am reviewing right now, which will be out next week. And uh, this weekend, I'll be at the Mini Maker Fair at uh, Seattle's EMP. So I'll be, do- we're doing Perler Beat activities with kids there. And we're making video game characters. And that is going to be a lot of fun. I will have to, I will, they'll probably get me sick again because children are disease factories. But it'll be great and cute. Um, so I might be making a video of that as well. So that's what I'm up to. Are you Are you playing Destiny? Are you playing oh my Destiny? god! I think I I think I might be at the very least. You know, my roommate got sucked back into Dragon Age Hell, and he's the one who plays Destiny in our household. So I watch because um, I I haven't gotten quite into it yet because I know it will destroy me and destroy everything that I hold dear. <laughs> um, but I am very tempted by the Taken King. Uh, so, you know, Bungie was nice enough to give us a ton of codes over on Rocket uh, to Darn kind of review and, and look through. So I, I'd say if you ever want to, isometric rather. So if you ever want to roll with Feminist War Cult, 
Uh, it is, it's some pretty cool people like playing destiny and talking about the patriarchy. It's great. <laughs> oh, that sounds like my jam. All right. All well, right hit me right. up. I'll we'll do, do it. it. I'll we'll get into it. freaking destiny. Even though it'll be the end of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brianna, where can we find you online? Space cat gal. Cool. Christina. Film underscore girl. All right, and check out the show notes to find Christina's review of iOS 9, because that's where that's going to be. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar, and you can find this show in iTunes where you should review it. Or if you don't want to review it, just, like, give it a star rating, yo. It'll be cool. It'll be fun. I Thank- want more Rocket reviews. I want a lot more <laughs> okay, Rocket Okay, yes, reviews. do review it. Please uh- <laughs> review us. We really love your reviews. Please, please, please. <laughs> Even if it's just XOXO, Simone, you're weird. You made it weird. Um, and, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you back again. Again next week. Terminated. Terminated. Terminated.